podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. Hey, Keith. How's it going, Bill? Life um, still warm down there in Arizona? Uh, yeah, we we pulled out of a major cold spell here. Uh, it was I think we had a high a couple of three days ago of like 57, Keith. Um, I kid you not. It was beyond sweater weather here. <laughs> Fireplaces were like <laughs> kicked up and blankets were, you know, uh, heated, heated blankets. Yeah, socks. Yeah. It, in bed it's, underneath it's snowed here you know, on, covers on thursday yeah we, we had snow so uh <laughs> today is actually really it's beautiful i mean there's not a cloud in the sky it's uh 70 it'll be 70 degrees today nice. uh, the foo fighters are playing down at the innings festival and outdoor festival here in tempe uh today headlining and oh, you gotta, uh, yeah you gotta go check that out foo fighters i know i've seen the, i've seen the foo fighters a couple times and i'm just like i don't know you know, because I'm, I don't like people. So what do you, <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? What do you do with that? Like you really want to see somebody, but then you got to stand amongst the throng of human beings to do it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Logan. So tomorrow's headliner is like uh, Tame Impala, and um, I'm not familiar, but apparently. Um, this band is like the thing and he's more interested in seeing that because he's going to see the Foo Fighters in June. So, okay. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, today we are talking about the NFL combine. It's NFL combine week, Keith. It's like, I'm so excited to see players kind of go through the motions, go through the drills. Um, Teams have a chance to sit down with up to, what, 30 players and interview those players. Um, so it's a real busy week um, for all the teams in the NFL and all the players. It's an exciting time. Team doctors get a chance to poke and prod almost everyone. That's part of the reason. And that's, and that's part of the information deal. we never get to. Exactly. We're, we're never privy to um, anything that goes on in the interviews, any of the medical information. All we see is the, is the coach and GM press conferences, which are full of, um nothing because they don't want to give away anything and uh we get to see the tests which are cool and fun and they do matter but they don't matter nearly as much as yes we sometimes want them to yeah it's it is interesting because we always go through this process we have a great time i think we do a really good job at it this will be our sixth year of doing it which is amazing by the way this is episode number 300 congratulations i know um the but but we always miss those pieces. 
you know, and so we go yep. through this process. So does everyone else. Everyone else is kind of in the same boat, even Adam Schefter. I mean, they mm -hmm. get some inside information, but basically they fly through the dark just like everybody else on most of these intangibles. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the interviews and backgrounds and uh, team fits and uh, psychological profiles, all that kind of stuff that teams do. We just don't know about. So when we do our mock drafts and we kind of predict the draft and all that stuff, it really is flying in the dark when it comes to about 35 or 40 percent of what teams consider really, really important for all these prospects. So but we do the best we can. Mm -hmm. Well, I think back to um, Bruce Irvin when he came out uh, in 2012, there were all these question marks around him and legal trouble and and you could see the physical gifts and um, the CX ended up taking him in the first round. And I think right before the draft, I mocked him to Seattle in round three. And it was because all of that legal stuff was there and it was like this big black cloud. And so everyone was like, nah, he's not going to be a first or second round pick because no one's going to risk that on him. And it turned out that all of that stuff was nothing. It was just absolutely nothing, but we didn't ever get that information. We were, all we had was, the reports from, you know, early on when like, oh, well, he was arrested for this. And then there was, you know, this other stuff. And it was, it turned out to be an absolutely nothing. And he was a first round pick. And there are lots of teams that were looking at him as a first round pick. So um, it's, it, it is just kind of an interesting um, thing with that. You got guys that, you know, we are like, wow, this guy's going to go early. You look at his tape. It's like, great. And then you see them drop into like the fifth round. And you're like, what? Mm -hmm. We find out after the fact that, um, you know, there's there's a bunch of legal problems that we don't even know about. And so it is that that's part where this kind of stuff, the teams address a lot of that right now in the in the combine. In those and, the, and they had access to some of these guys at the senior bowl as well. And mm -hmm. so they just kind of uh, compile that together. And um, it's it's really pretty cool. You know, the other thing on the other side of that is we always find out that um, we thought at the draft that the Seahawks overdrafted or went up and got somebody too high or whatever. Um, he could have been available at the next pick. Um, and then we come to find out that there were two or three other teams that were, you know, seriously looking at, at that player right mm -hmm. after the Seahawks and they kind of made the, made the jump. Um, yeah. People were, people were upset about Jordan Brooks when he went and then we find out, yep, that there were teams like literally the next pick. He would have gone to the next pick if Seattle didn't take him. And um, as it turns so. out, great player. I mean, yeah, you can debate. You can debate whether you spend a first-round pick on an outside line, off-the-ball linebacker in the NFL. Sure, let's have that debate. But then let's go look at the impact he has long-term on the on the team. If you mm -hmm. were to go back and say to that person that's debating you, uh, can if if I could guarantee you that this player was going to be on the team for eight years, make the Pro Bowl like four times, and um, just be a, a perennial guy and, you know, basically injury free. Would you make that pick? And I'd say, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, what else is going on? Uh, I think, uh, Pete and John, you mentioned Wednesday, uh, or not Wednesday, but you yep. mentioned interviews of all the coaches and GMs, uh, this week, uh, CX are up on the, on the clock on Wednesday to do that mm -hmm. in, in years past, those, those are interesting because we just don't get a chance to have those guys in front of us all the time and talk to us about the team, about the players, what they're thinking, how they evaluate the process, all that kind of stuff without getting into any specifics. So it is kind of, it's nice to have that, but nonetheless, 
you expect anything this year as far as any tidbits, any clues at all that you might see? No, I expect a lot of the questions to be about around um, Russell Wilson and and all of that. And they're they're going to do their best to put all of that to bed and and just be like, okay, everyone can stop you know talking about it because it's not going to happen, um, and it won't stop anyone from talking about it. But I, I thought they'll try. They, they might talk about the the defense. True, but I'm just saying like there's going to be those questions, and then there's going to be a lot. There are going to be um, questions for Pete, not necessarily for John, but for Pete um, about okay, what's the scheme going to be? How different is it going to be? How much turnover of personnel is going to have to happen yeah, see, now to that's adapt where I'm to looking, a new speed? That's where I'll be looking for clues. Yeah, me too. And I hope they'll give us something, but, you know, it's um, there's nothing to be gained for these teams to be overly forthcoming. Um, and to the point where uh, some of the you know, football writers refer to this time period as lying season because teams will actually come out and say things that are exact opposite of what they believe because they don't want to tip their hand before the draft or before yeah. free agency or in that's negotiations why, with a player and all of that. So that's why looking at the transcript is, is okay. And it's fun to read, but you know, the facial expressions, especially from like a guy like John Schneider, um, who just kind of has this little smirk once in a while when he, knows he wants to say something but he's not going to say it that alone is worth you know the price of gold for me all right so um what else was going on oh social media you wanted to talk about um (laughs) you want to talk about something funny uh so um earlier this week pete russell wilson um changed his profile pic on twitter to um one of him and his dad um back in you know when you know because they're from virginia and the football world especially like the national writers and espn just melted down over it oh my god is he saying that he wants to be traded to you know the washington commanders or is this his signal that he wants out of um seattle and it was just like this instant drama like just dripping with stupidity and guess what? <laughs> the Seahawks are back uh, as his profile pick again. Yes. Um, Russell Wilson's a really smart guy. He knows that these things are going to be talked about. Um, <clears throat> he and his wife also just published a children's book. And so they're literally building a media <coughs> empire. If there's yeah. one human being that's affiliated with the Seattle Seahawks organization, Russell Wilson knows how to do it better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, how do we get everybody talking about Russell Wilson again without doing anything like crazy? Uh, change, have him change, change his picture of picture. his Twitter to a picture of him and his dad, his late father, we should say. Um, and because, you know, people are going to freak out about it. And the national people that don't know him don't rec- they don't seem to realize that that it's a big deal for him at this time of year for a reason like just everyone needs to just stop and but at the same time i think that it's what wilson wanted he wanted people talking about him he wanted uh to be the name not because he wants traded but because he wants to um you know continue to build his his brand and 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 be that guy that everyone knows, even non-football fans. So there you go. 
Thank you for um, falling victim to his his trap. Yeah. And well, you know, exactly I think there, there is a lot of kind of that going around, not just with profile pictures, but the trade rumors and the and the nonstop. And quite frankly, it all comes from a place of passion. Let's you know, that's kind of where it comes from. It's not a bad place or a dark place or misplaced. It's other fan bases basically being in I have we have no quarterback hell for such a long time that they're so desperate to get something that's reasonably amazing in their mm -hmm. franchise and so everyone I think universally likes Russell Wilson there's not a universal uh feeling about um Aaron Rodgers for example um but when you talk about Russell Wilson you can literally go to our worst rival San Francisco 49ers and their fan base loves Russell Wilson. It hates mm -hmm. Russell Wilson yeah. because they love him so much. He's such admired, a good quarterback, good person, but on the field, he's just, he's a, he's a clutch player. And so he's just one of those guys. I don't know what it is about Russell Wilson as far as the trade rumors, because if there's any quarterback ever I've ever seen, he's in every single trade rumor imaginable which is mm -hmm. amazing considering what comes out of his mouth, what comes out of the team. Um, they've seemingly put this to bed and it, yet it just continues on and on and on. It's fun to speculate, but man, is it tiresome. So I don't even really pay attention to it for the most oh, part. I, I pay attention to it simply for the entertainment factor um, to see the Tennessee Titans were the name that came up this week for the first time that, that I th they were like talking about trading ryan Tannehill and four first round picks to seattle um for for wilson in order to you know pry him loose he's like you get wilson and you're instantly a um you know the super bowl favorite because that defense and that running game and those skill position players and then you put in a real franchise quarterback instead of a game manager um and for them they're just like yeah this is what we got to do this will get us a title especially after the rams uh essentially yeah. bought a title uh, yes. This year, where they yes. they did that, they traded their entire future for one or two years of trying to compete right now, and it worked. It got them a title. So now everyone's like, "Hey, we can do that too. We can trade away everything for Russell Wilson. Go get a title, and then who cares if we have to rebuild and we're bad for ten years? We got a title." Um, and so teams are looking at that. But go look at what Russell Wilson said at the Pro Bowl. He's not going anywhere, everybody. He's not. I get that. And yeah, the team wouldn't a, move on without without a legitimate replacement. Now, would they consider a Tanner Hill a, a legitimate replacement with four first-round draft picks? I mean, you can have a conversation about that. Um, obviously, that's a made-up thing by you know a fan base or whatever. I don't know if you... <laughs> You wouldn't have a legitimate source, I think, behind that. But no, it was someone at ESPN just speculating. So, so you know, we can all speculate. It's fun to speculate. I do. Here's what I do believe. I do believe that speculation will turn into reality here in the next three or four weeks. I think the the Rogers piece will fall first, and once mm -hmm. that falls, the dominoes will follow after, and Russell will be the next domino. And I believe yeah. that we will go through a process of two or three weeks where we will be hearing about compensation packages mm -hmm. being offered to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson from legitimate sources. 
And well, look what the bear, look what the Bears offered last year. And and it'll be the it'll be um, I don't know if it'll be the Packers, but maybe it will if they lose Rodgers. Who knows? And then it'll be the Broncos. It'll be Indianapolis, possibly. It will be Tampa. It will be Pittsburgh, the Saints, New Orleans, Pittsburgh. It'll be Washington Commanders. So they'll literally. So this could end up turning into a bidding war. Now, if you were in a position, uh, if Seattle had, you know, maybe drafted a quarterback earlier and had developed one, they may be in a better position to kind of take advantage, given the idea that, you know, the cap hit with Russell Wilson and uh, he's he's getting into, you know, his mid-30s. And so you kind of look at that. But then again, there's no reason to believe that he's slowing down as far as his skill set. Maybe, you know, he's lost a step running, but that's about it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how large these packages go and if there's any teeth to them, because if you end up, the common perception for me is that there's three first round draft picks on the table and a player or two, and possibly, you know, throw in a second rounder or something into that equation. That seems to be the top level kind of bid. But what if this thing does get into four first round draft picks? What if it does get into four first round draft picks plus a young quarterback in return or a, or a starting corner or whatever it might be? Those sorts of things are hard to ignore. That the four first round draft pick compensation thing would be the largest compensation package in the history of the NFL. And it would be something that the team could legitimately rebuild an entire team around. And so you do have to pay attention to that because you just don't know at that point. You know, they may sit down with Russell, like uh, he may get those offers, and and Schneider maybe you know sit down with uh, Mark Rogers and Russell Wilson and just say, "Listen, here's our package. Do you want to stay? Do you want to stay? If you do, we're gonna. I think we're gonna extend you so that we can have some cap room. Blah blah blah." Um, and you're going to be our quarterback of the future, and we're going to handle this right now. Do you want to go? If you want to go, here's the team. Here's the deal. Here's your situation there. Blah 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 blah. Um, so that conversation could actually happen. I don't. I don't know. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying if it gets no. down that <clears throat> road, they could have. It could get to that point. I think that that conversation will happen, but it won't. But it won't happen with the idea of you know, we're going to present this to Russ and he's going to go. It's, hey, this is what we're being offered and we're ready to turn this down because we want you here. We want you here and we want to not go through this every year. So can we change your contract in a way that puts this to bed? You're here for the rest of your career and we don't have to listen to this anymore. Sports fans, look at the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any NFL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
21 and over minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or here's your chance to, to leave before your contract runs out. Yeah. And, and it, it, so is there, are they going to get to that point? I kind of think they will. But it's not going to come from a place of Wilson yes. leaving. It's kind of going to come from a place of we are making this commitment to you, not just financially, but as the face of this franchise for the foreseeable future. Um, and using that as a, um, a tool to just make sure that we don't go through this every year. That's kind of where we're at. All right. Plenty of time to talk about that in the future. I think we probably will. Uh huh. <laughs> just speculating there. Yeah. Um, let's get to the to the combine. So let's talk about the combine for a brief minute and talk about in general what we use the combine for and what we're looking for um, from some of these prospects and specifically for the Seattle Seahawks. Well, a lot of what we you know, when you go through and look at this, you're looking at, at um, tests for athleticism. Like, uh, how do they rank among their peers and among, amongst players um, currently in the NFL in terms of um, speed, agility, explosiveness, power, strength, um, coordination, you know, just all these different things. Um, and it comes down to, like, what are you looking for? What aren't you looking for? Uh, every team's a little different, but you know, you want guys with longer arms and you want guys, you know, that are faster and quicker and, you know, more agile, but that doesn't, isn't the, um, it isn't the end all, uh, for evaluation. Like you've seen guys that, um, aren't the fastest, but true, turn out to be, you know, fantastic players like, you know, Cooper cup comes to mind. Um, and then you have guys that are just athletic freaks that, never do anything in the NFL, but that's, there is a, that, a correlation between athleticism and success, but there's those, um, that correlation isn't like a perfect correlation where it's like, Oh, the more athletic, the better you are. Um, but there is, you know, some of that. So, so when we take a look at quarterbacks this year, it's, um, everyone and everyone is talking about this class being second tier all the way um and not really a, a a top contender most of these guys in a good quarterback year say last year maybe even wouldn't even been in the first round at all um so we've got kenny pickett malik willis matt corral sam howell desmond ritter those are the top five guys all five do have an opportunity uh, based on their showing at the combine to move up in the draft. I don't think Seattle's going to be in this market unless something happens. Um, I, I, they will be paying attention to these, um, to these players because mm -hmm. you just never know. But um, what do you expect from this group? And is there anybody at all that could help themselves? Um, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not expecting a lot from this group. Um, mainly because the, what you're going to see is you're going to see a guy like Malik Willis just run out of the building and get everyone super excited because of his uh, speed and athleticism. He's uh, not quite Lamar Jackson, but people are going to think of him a little bit in that, in that mold because of his, just his ability to run. Um, but 
you know, he's going to be fun, but does he does it, does what he do does what he does in this combine matter that much? Not really, unless he goes out and just is. Everyone's like, "Whoa, he's a lot slower than we thought he was," based on tape and whatnot. Um, it's here's not gonna, where affect him. Here's where I think he can help himself. A, he does all of that, so he he runs well, he tests well, he also throws well. That's yeah. really important in in this. Is people are going to want to see him up close. Nobody really kind of went to Liberty Games. A lot of scouts and so forth. I mean, they did, but they get him now in this building. They're going to be able to see him sling it right up close and personal. The other thing that will help him possibly is that interview process that we talked about. I don't think he's going to have any problem with the medical. It's going to be the, the, the you know, the leadership ability. Everyone's going to find out what kind of a person he is and, and so forth. Matt Corral mm-hmm. could help himself, I think, a little bit. Another guy that I think that really could kind of move up that nobody's really talking about anymore is Sam Howell. Sam Howell last year had a great year, a great season. They had a good roster offensively at North Carolina. Then everyone kind of moved on, and he was left without any talent around him. Came back and had an okay statistical year. Um, didn't drop off percentages wise, just uh, you know attempts and, and completions and all that kind of stuff were down. But he's still that same guy. He is a guy that I think currently, you know, hovering right in between round one and round two, could could solidify his position up, you know, in the first round. Yeah, I mean, you're there when they do throw, they're going to be throwing against um, no defense. Um, but there's the guys that are viewed as maybe a little dink and dunkish um, guys like Carson Strong um, and Matt Corral. If they, you know, throw some dimes down the field to some of these fast receivers, I, I think there's going to be some some GMs that take notice. They're like, okay, well, maybe they were they threw a lot of short stuff because that was the uh, that that was the offense they ran, but that doesn't mean they don't have the ability to throw it deep. They just were never asked to. Um, but even then it's going to be like, okay, so we saw it a little bit, but there's no defense. There's no pressure. There's no cornerback to throw it over. You're just, you know, hitting a guy who's running. So, um, but there might be a little bit of that. Some of those guys that, that aren't viewed as big armed uh, quarterbacks getting an opportunity to, you know, show off some of that, that are, they're a, deep accuracy so let's talk about some position groups where the seahawks might have some skin in the game uh yeah let's talk about (laughs) running back everyone knows seattle probably needs a not probably needs a running back absolutely Um, penny's you know a free agent we just don't know if he'll accept a one-year deal to come back or if the seahawks are thinking maybe extending him for a little longer than that that's possible chris carson's got the neck thing he's available and under contract but will he be uh, really available when it when it comes down to being in games mm-hmm. this this running back class is really deep um you're not going to get a first rounder out of this group but there's no that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of talent here there's some run between the tackles guys there's some fast guys there's some good combo guys guys that have speed height weight all that kind of stuff um and then it, as you go deeper into the to the draft you're going to get guys that you know specialize in one thing or another or whatever so um is there anybody you're paying attention to that you want to see like can they how well are they going to test well i I mean just out of uh not that not for the seahawks because i think he's going to go way before the seahawks take a running back but isaiah spiller i was i just i want to see this guy run i want to see what where he tests at because watching his tape 
I think he would be such a perfect fit for Seattle. He would be um, what we saw from Penny the last like five games. Uh, and he would be that like instantly coming in. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm interested, but I don't think the CX take him. I'm looking more at guys that are down, um, down the board a little bit guys like um, Hassan Hankins out of Michigan um, and, you know, maybe uh, Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State, just to get an idea of, of how these guys run. Can they put up some numbers, especially, you know, some speed numbers that are better than we expect, um, maybe show some agility that we're not quite uh, expecting on there. Just show us some 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 explosiveness so that we can think, all right, so maybe if we get this guy in the fourth or fifth round, he could still be a guy we can depend on and not just be a special teamer. Yeah, I think a guy like uh, Abram Smith or Devontae Price or Zamir mm-hmm. White is a little underrated at Georgia, I think. Uh, Damian Pierce, I think, out of Florida. Um, he's He's got a little bit of buzz coming out of the Senior Bowl. I think the Seahawks uh, were heavily, um, heavily participated at the Senior Bowl scouting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that he caught their eye and the kind of guy that they want to have in their locker room as far as the intangibles, being a leader, outspoken, all that kind of stuff. And just the way that he runs, I think he's kind of their kind of their guy that they they look for. So I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing him. I'm looking forward to kind of seeing Brian Robinson. He's got the the specs that I think Seattle looks for, but he's a little upright, a little top heavy. And so I'm not quite sure about that for them um but yeah it's it, there's a lot of fun I, i'm really interested kind of the, in the differences between isaiah spiller Brees hall kenneth walker the third just because um kenneth walker's the smallest guy out of that bunch but runs um really nice gives you some options Brees hall and isaiah spiller are interesting they're about the same size Brees hall's uh, quite a bit quicker and, and faster and i'm i just want to see if Brees hall looks like he could be a physical back. Um, and we all know that Isaiah Spiller is. So that's an interesting group. How about wide receiver, Keith? So wide receiver group is, I mean, this is one where, if you think about it, Seattle's got their top two guys. They've got a developmental guy that they believe is is their number three, their kind of gadget player. And they've got a number four that they really like. So what the Seahawks are looking for in this draft at wide receiver is going to be, depth someone who can come in in that three four five range compete for snaps play some special teams do some of that stuff they're not looking for a guy that's going to come out and you know be the guy and so with that you know you're looking at guys that are down the board a little bit and i'm looking you know at maybe like kyle phillips out of ucla um calvin austin the third out of memphis um you know that kind of range is is where i'm looking at guys Mm -hmm. and we'll see if they can find now that doesn't mean they won't come out and be like hey you know this person who we thought was a first round pick dropped to us you know uh in early in around three we're gonna just do it um and they might take a guy that that's way up here uh on the board you know someone maybe like alec pierce out of cincinnati mm-hmm. but i'm not expecting that i'm expecting them to look at more of that you know probably third tier um like a Ty you know, Fry Fogel or Velas Jones. I mentioned Velas Jones in the mock yeah. draft that we did. I really like that. In fact, I noticed he's moving up uh, the, the board a little bit. Danny Gray, you mentioned as a possibility that we would uh, Reggie Robertson 
Slade Bolden, all those guys have have some ability. Braylon Sanders, uh, Ontario Drummond. Okay, yeah, um, Trey, Trey Turner out of Virginia Tech is another one that I yeah. like. Um, so it'll be it'll be it's just interesting to get all those guys in the room and and see. How about tight end? Mm-hmm. So at tight end, I mean, I don't see a first round pick in this group, but there's and we some, know we have a need though. Yeah, we do. Um, there's some really interesting guys. I mean, um, Isaiah Likely is a name that I'm very interested to see how he runs because he is he looks like he's going to be a you know a pure joker type, a guy that doesn't uh, do a lot of inline blocking, but is just super would efficient in the passing game. Would you consider a player like that if you were to be there with Seattle's second pick, which would be in the third round? Oh yeah, I would. Um, this it's kind of like basically you're looking at at getting a guy whose talent will mimic um, a guy like Jimmy Graham, and now he's not as big and maybe not as quick, but he has he's kind of the similar type of guy. Um, and if you can get that in the third round and you have a, a true weapon at um, tight end, you kind of kind of look at it. Um, another guy that I'm very interested in is UCLA's um, Greg Dulcich. Um, guy that's currently thought of as like a fourth rounder right now, but honestly, after what we saw at the senior bowl, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in early round three. And I just want to see how he tests. Cause if he comes out and just kind of, you know, dominates the testing. Yeah. He's going to go in round three, maybe the back end of round two, if he comes out and disappoints, well, he'll go back down to being a fourth round pick like he was thought of before the senior bowl. So he's another guy that I'm, I'm so are, really you, are you taking a look at like short shuttles or straight line speed, or are you talking about vertical broad jump looking for explosion? What are you looking for from him? So for a guy like Dulcich, uh, I'm looking at um, like a three cone or a short shuttle, his ability to, to move laterally. Um, I want to see a good vert. So it shows power um, in the lower half. Um, I mean, those are the types of things that I'm looking at for him is I, I want, I want, him to show basically that he's got athletic feet that he can move and then, and that he can turn that movement into power. And if he can do both of those things, then you know, he can be developed into a, a tremendous blocker to go with the pass catching and stuff we've already seen. Out of the tight end group, do you look at the bench press at all uh, as part of that, a power equation to make sure that they've got strong upper body right now so they can engage in the hand fighting that's necessary on the, on the ends? <clears throat> A little bit. I mean, I I will I'll take notice if a guy like Isaiah likely benches a lot because I don't expect him to. Um, I'll also take a look at if a guy like um, you know Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State you know can only do eighteen reps. Yeah. Um, then right. I'm like, wow, he's gonna drop. <laughs> he's gonna drop way down. Um, but you know, uh, I'm kind of looking more for stuff like that. If I want guys to surprise me one way or the other before I, I truly look at it because I don't think of tight end as a as a pure power position the way you do like an offensive tackle or guard or that kind of thing. I want them to win with technique, positioning, block angles, and that has more to do with the lower body than the upper body. So uh, speaking of offensive tackles, do you expect the Seahawks to be in the offensive tackle market this year? How could they not be? So, Okay. So if they are serious about it, they're really going to be in this game at, at the combine looking at these yeah. prospects. What Absolutely. do you expect to, to where the Seahawks might be looking as far as level of the draft? So it kind of depends on what happens with Dwayne Brown. If he's gone, um, I could see them take an offensive tackle with their first pick. 
a guy like um, Daniel Falele. It will be a, someone that um, mm. I'm interested in at this, at, mm. you know, at the combine because I want to see what he, I mean, oh. if he comes in it, if he comes in at 380 pounds, but still moves well. Did you watch, well. did you watch some of the tape though from the senior bowl practices I, and stuff? I did. It, it, it didn't look good. Oh, yeah. um, so but, I'm not at all interested in that. I'm hoping that he's undraftable on their board, but who knows? <laughs> um, you know, a guy like Darian Kennard out of Kentucky and Sean Ryan out of uh, UCLA are, are, are another couple of guys that I, um, I really like in this draft. I think Sean, uh ryan is underrated uh really by the, by the draft do you think that, that they would need to go up and and get him with their 41st pick or do you think he's going to be hanging around i think he can hang around beyond that if they trade back into the 50s i think that's a good spot for sean ryan or if they uh maybe he maybe he does drop lower than i expect and he's available um you know there in the uh 60s and then they can they can they can get him there uh i I just I think he's going to be a better player. Um, I would draft him over a guy like um, Falele, just yes, like, without consideration. And the draft media has Falele going a whole round earlier than, than so, Sean Ryan. So we've talked about prospect uh, Abraham Lucas out of uh, Washington State. Um, just speaking of the combine, mm-hmm. um, it seems like Abraham Lucas is more of an athletic tackle there uh, that that would look really good at the combine perform well test well etc maybe mm-hmm. raise his stock a little bit if he was sitting there with our second pick in the third round i i would snap him up you know pretty easily right now he's on everyone's big boards at around 100 but mm-hmm. if you can get him at 77 or where, wherever we pay at 75 77 something like that um i i would solve that problem with a guy like that you could look at him and, and do that what i want to see at, at the um, combine from him is I want him to do well on the bench. I want his measurements for his arm length to come back um, and not have him look like a T-Rex. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, his his footwork is there. His hand placement, his technique is there. Um, but I want him to show me an ability to truly block with power, not just block with technique and finesse. Um, and if he can, if he can show the, the, the physicality, um, in his testing results that so you can think you can get that out of him, then I am going to be ready to draft him. And especially if you can get him in the third round, um, and then you just, you know, give him a little bit of development time and stick him in there at left tackle and, and roll with it. I think that would be a good fit, but if he doesn't, if he does, if he, you know, only, you know, does like 18 reps on the bench or, or you know, that kind of stuff doesn't have a good vert. So you're looking at not having necessarily the power in the, in the lower half, then I, I could see him dropping even further just because teams are going to worry that he's a finesse player and not capable of, um, you know, truly handling the physicality of the NFL. So another player that I'm interested in seeing at the combine uh, that would be available a little later, fourth, fifth round is Braxton Jones, the offensive mm-hmm. tackle out of Southern Utah, yep. because he's he's prototypical left tackle-ish kind of guy at 6'7", 306. He's got a 84 and a quarter inch wingspan, which is perfect for that position. Yeah, I would love to see how smooth he is because he's supposed to be real smooth. His footwork's supposed to be good. He's long, tall, athletic. Um, a guy like that may end up, since he, he went 
played for Southern Utah. Guy like that shows up at the combine, interviews well. His tape shows up then at that point, um, where where guys are going back and and double checking, and he he could be a prospect that moves up a little bit. But if if Seattle m- goes with different position groups earlier in the draft and they want a guy that they could bring along, maybe Dwayne Brown sticks around for a year. Um, this guy might be a great choice in the middle rounds. Yeah, I mean he's a guy in the. Um fourth fifth round area um he would come in and you know i mean they think they drafted braxton jones last year right yeah um, stone he's he's very much in the stone forsyth mold got all the physical parts got to develop technique got to develop um the player in general but you know if they see him as an upgrade over forsyth or maybe hey you know what let's have two of that put one on each side as a backup and um you know develop our 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 offensive tackles of the future then i could see them doing that but i do think that he is kind of redundant with foresight if you're looking for a developmental tackle how about the interior sorry uh, so, um <laughs> wow I'll Susan. um yeah all right so on the interior um you know this is actually a a, a weird spot because there are the CX have their guards and what they need is a center. Um, and so when you start looking at, at the interior, because they're, those players are kind of looped uh, or linked together and, and it's kind of put out, Oh, here's the interior lineman, but they're really different needs for the two positions. Um, I would say a guy like Alec Lindstrom um, in, you know, round four out of Boston college is a guy I'd look at um, maybe Chris Paul out of Tulsa. Um, you know, he's, more of a guy that's going to be like round five. These are the types of guys that I'm looking at as far as uh, can they develop um, and show that they can be a center. Being at center is just not a position where you draft high. Um, and so the teams that are that are looking at like um, Tyler Linderbaum, he bet, if you're going to draft him in the first round, which you're going to have to, he better come in and be a pro bowler early and an all pro at some point in order to justify that pick. Um, and I just... You know, it's kind of like drafting a running back in the first round. Yeah. I, I'm just not, I'm not a huge supporter of that. Um, not when you can get a guy like Ed Ingram, it, you know, in round three. Well, we all know the Seahawks probably made a mistake last year, and that would have been high, yes, you know, relatively at 55 or whatever. Um, but at 55, right, you're talking the back end of round two. Yes. Um, that's not a bad place to draft a, uh, a center and the six, especially a starting, starting center. Yeah. A starting center who actually turned out to be significantly better than, than most, uh, draft media, um, thought he would be. And they could go he, last year would have been different. And the, the off season right now would be very different. Had they, had they gone that route instead, they gra- drafted a gadget wide receiver who couldn't stay healthy. Um, I think that was a major miss by John Snyder. So I know what you're going to say to me right now, um, and I, I'll acknowledge that and say that we're, we're going a little long, and we may split this thing in two, just an FYI for our listeners, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll figure that out. But let's get to the defense. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL, And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.
Social Podcast Network.